to the Making Margin podcast. This is episode nine. My name is Nick Foy. I'm the founder of Greenway Wealth Advisors. We are a financial planning investment management firm based in the south end of Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm going to introduce to my right, Allie Crouch. Hey. Allie is our director of client experience. She's about ready to take off on a trip to Utah to go skiing. Mm-hmm. Is this your first time skiing since you hurt yourself skiing? Since my surgery. How long ago was that? Two and a half years. Are you nervous about this? No. So it's been three years since I've skied because my surgery was in the summer. So. Okay. Well, I hope you have a great time. Me too. How are you going to do with a one-year-old on the ski hill? Are you going to take him with you? No, he's Put staying sk- with my sister. Like just sit by the fire? No, he's staying at home with my sister. Oh, how far away does she live from the ski hill? 45 minutes. She's in Salt Lake. She's in, she, well, she's right outside of Salt Lake. She okay. used to live in Salt Lake. And then we're going to Snow Basin, which I'm not actually sure which mountain that's on. No. I've heard of A Basin. That's in Colorado. To my immediate left is Jeff Eminger. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Happy New Decade. Happy. <laughs> I just asked ChristianStrop.co, how late in the year can you say Happy New Year? And I, I've asked this question every New Year to people. How late in the year, if you see somebody for the first time, can you say Happy New Year? By the way, we're recording this early January. I don't know when you're listening to it. The miracle of the interwebs means you could be listening to it at any future point in time, assuming that the world hasn't ended. But I asked Drop.co, when, what's the latest that you can say Happy New Year and that you see somebody for the first time? What do you guys think? I think the first time you see them in the New Year is fine. Even Anytime. It's December. Thank you. That's I mean, you could, but it seems strange out of context. And context would be like January for me. I yeah. think, yeah, I think the end of January I go to it June. becomes weird. I always thought June at least, and he said all the way through December. I mean, technically, if it's the first time you've seen them, it is a happy new year. So does that mean if I see somebody five years into the 2020s, you can I say can say happy, happy new, new decade. decade? For sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. Absolutely. If you just meet somebody for the first time. To Jeff's left is Andrew Richie Harris better known as Drew Harris. He is a senior advisor here at Greenway. Hello. Howdy. Howdy, Drew. Howdy, Drudy. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> no, I don't know. Wow. Like that. okay. That's going to stick for sure. <laughs> Hooray. Oh, man. Um, all right. So today we're talking about buying versus renting cars. No, I'm not talking about that. Specifically housing. So end of December 2019, so there's this thing called the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Home Price Index. By the way, buying versus renting, we're talking about homes, not or like an apartment or a condo. We're not talking about any of these other items. So uh, the Home Price Index came out and it showed the change in home values for 20 major urban areas. So this is a thing. You can go online. There will be a link to it in our uh, our show notes that we call those show notes. Uh, And you'll be able to go on there and see... The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Home Price Index, which is a really long name for something that actually is kind of interesting because you can see the changes in home values for these 20 major urban areas. So Charlotte, which is where we're located, in the south end of Charlotte, North Carolina, Charlotte is one of the 20 cities listed. And over the past year, Charlotte had the third biggest home price gains behind only Phoenix and Tampa. Would you have guessed that? No. The weakest markets were San Francisco, Chicago, and New York. And over the past year, home prices in Charlotte rose 4.76%. So home price average, take the whole urban area, up 4.76% as of October. So it's three months delayed, this data is, but we'll call it good. 
uh, so as of October. And over the past five years, Charlotte home prices have average annual increase of 5.3%. And that's pretty good. That's solid. That's really solid. Nationally, home prices have risen an average of 4.75% per year over the past five years. So one of the things we talk about is when we have people come in and talk to us about sort of their finances, we take a look at what their living situation is. Not sort of their finances, actually their finances. <laughs> that's what we do. Um, but Zillow, other sites, what's the other site? Oh, Realtor.com, they'll do an estimate for you. Uh, Redfin, Redfin, that's a realtor site. They'll do an estimate for you. They'll make, they've made it a lot easier to access an estimate of the value of your home. Like uh, your investment account, your bank account, you can always log in and see that. And that hasn't really been a thing until the last five or 10 years where now you can log in and get a decent estimate for your home value. But it made me revisit this question. When does it actually make sense to buy a home, if ever? All right. And to preface, we have four homeowners here. Drew, how long have you owned your house? This house for seven years. And how many houses have you owned? I've owned two. Where was the other house located? Two blocks away from my oh, current residence. Wow. And owned that for about five years. So you're 12 years total home ownership? That's right. Seven plus five. Allie, how long have you owned your house? Four and a half. <clears throat> and that's years. your first? Yeah. She and Alex, they've been together for a long time, but... Like all 12, 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Jeff? You just bought your first house? Yeah, back in March of so 2019, so just under a year. Coming up on your one-year home anniversary. Oh, that's right. That's great. Um, okay, so for all of you, and I'm in the second home that I've owned. The first one I bought in 2005, I guess, maybe. Lived there for six years. And I've been in this house for six years now, too, I guess. So tell me about your first home purchase. What made you decide to buy what was the process like? Allie, you can go first. Uh, we decided to buy, uh, well, because they sold our rental house and gave us 30 days to get out. And we were planning on buying in like a year and we didn't want to pay to move twice um, and find two places to move. So we decided to buy. And um, I guess the main reason, I, I honestly, I, probably the main reason we wanted to buy was because we felt like it was what you were supposed to do. Um, we had saved for a down payment and like it was kind of the next step. We were, I don't know, 20, how old am I? 20, we were like 24. Um, but, and then, but now I like owning because I can do what I want to the house. I do a lot of DIY stuff. So if I want to change the floor, I can change the floor. I don't have to ask a landlord or get anything done, but. If you wanted to stencil a very elaborate design into the floor in I your sunroom. I could, you know. Yeah, you could do that, which she has done. I have. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Saved a lot of money. Jeff, you, you, this is fresh for you. Tell me about your home purchase process and thought process behind it. Yeah, we um, moved back from Arizona and we were in a rental. And, um, you know, we just started considering where we wanted to be to, to raise our son and um, really wanted to have, to invest in a place, in a community. And uh, that's what led us to start looking. And uh, we kind of looked all over the Charlotte area and settled in Huntersville and um, really happy about it so far. Cool. 
And you're you're a bit of we're gonna talk about this in a little bit home maintenance. Mm-hmm. You're quite handy. Yeah, you have many tools and the ability to utilize them appropriately. A garage was very important to me to have yeah. a shop and some place where I could. Do you have a chainsaw, by the way? I do have a chainsaw because we got some like big tree shrub bushes we want to take out. We're gonna talk about. Yeah, that Yeah, we had some pretty. Uh, are you gonna borrow it or are you gonna borrow Jeff? Well, I've used a chainsaw <laughs> once or twice, but I'm also a little bit afraid of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, if I show up one day with a leg missing. It got to the chainsaw. Cool. Drew Harris, do you recall your first home purchase story? Not much of a story. Um, We moved to Charlotte. We rented, um, we were in two apartments uh, for a total of a year. And uh, remember that the last apartment we were in um, had a strong smoke uh, smell because of our neighbors below us. And I think smoke like fire or smoke like like cigarettes. cigarette smoke. Yeah, that wafted up, you know, yeah. through the floor, um, even got into the refrigerator. Um, so you know, tainted the ice. And um, maybe that just that's crazy. A, yeah. So you drink it, you put ice in a drink, and it would taste like cigarette smoke. Yeah, and it really that's wasn't horrible. <laughs> like really horrible. I actually like the smell of smoke, but not really? that. But it didn't taste very good. Do you have wow. like childhood memories of cigarette smoke that makes you? No, no, I don't interesting. know. I've never heard anyone like the I know, smell. It of gives cigarettes. me a headache instantly. Cigars, pipe smoke. Pipe smoke. Yeah, yeah. I don't get. <laughs> I have if you have like childhood memories. Like I know Alex doesn't hate it because his grandpa, his both of his grandparents were major smokers. So like he doesn't like it, but it reminds him of his grandparents. So he's fond memories attached to it. But so when they made all, Allie, you won't remember this, but when they made smoking, uh, you know, no no smoking on airplanes, is that disappointing to you? Were you like, oh dang, I'd love to be able to get on an airplane and just have smoke flying through the cabin? No, I don't remember that being disappointing. I think it's just this, you know. It's a nice smell, just occasionally, a little bit. Um, wow. No, that, so no it's not something I go and seek out. Were you a smoker? No. <laughs> All right, so continue. I'm sorry. We, we got yeah, a little bit sidetracked there. Sidetrack. I'm fascinated. We should just have a whole podcast on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you so, like the smell of cigarette smoke, please comment on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we decided that we wanted to uh, own a house. And uh, so we, my wife wanted to live close to the city. Uh, we were out in suburbs at that point in time, and so we kind of looked and found our house. And um, yeah, it's two thousand nine. Um, it was a good, it was good, good buying yeah. market. It's a good time to buy. Um, though, in hindsight, I would have done a few things differently. Do you want to share any of those or no? Yeah, I still think that we, while it was a good time to buy, um, that we could have bought better. Um, that you know, we only ended up looking at about four or five houses. Um, and it, how strong of an emotional decision it was versus being a financial decision. Um, and you know, when I compare it to other houses in the area, you know, I think there were other deals to be had, um, but you know, we, I don't know, we, we may have forced it a little bit. In hindsight, it worked out, but, um, you know, I remember just seeing some other houses that came up later that we could have gotten a whole lot cheaper. Hmm. Do you like home maintenance? No. Do you do any kind of DIY projects? A little bit. Does LB do any? No. No, and that's, I mean, the home maintenance side of things is, um, I guess, one of the big regrets is not budgeting for that. Yeah. And just, you know, foreseeing that to happen. Home maintenance is different than home improvement, though. Like, I don't enjoy home maintenance, but I like home improvement. I get it. They say that... uh, depending on the age and value of your house, it can cost between one and five percent of the value annually, just for maintenance, just for upkeep stuff. 
what you think about it. Even if you had everything go great and then 15 years later you got to put a new air conditioner in, that's a big expense. I don't think people would budget roof. for that. No, they don't. I didn't budget for that. We but. did only because we knew when we bought our house that it could go at any moment. Like that was part of like buying it was the age, like we knew what the age of the house was. So we knew we needed 10K at some point. Yeah. I'm smart. Well, it still hasn't died yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's one of the things that, for sure, people don't think about is uh, when you t- when you look at first time home buyers and they compare what they're paying in rent with what the mortgage would be, and that's all they do. They, yep. Well, that, that looks better. At least I'm not just throwing away money, and they don't think about all the other money that goes into taxes, which in Charlotte is one and a quarter. Well, it changed. It's kind of variable. One percent, we'll call it, of the value annually, uh, and maintenance, which is two, three, four percent, depending on what you're doing. And when people move in, they don't think about all the stuff that they want to do right away, like blinds and carpet and whatever else. Yard. Yard. Filling extra space with furniture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The home improvement projects Mm -hmm. that naturally come, go, ooh, I want to do that and paint that wall. Yeah. You think that won't be that much, but it does add up. It adds up quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the sort of costs that I think most people don't necessarily consider when they go to buy a house for the first time. Um, All right. I know Allie has one. Tell me about your favorite unexpected maintenance story. Definitely be waking up to our water heater exploded. Oh, that was the one I was going to say. Are you talking about the um, dishwasher? dishwasher, No, that one was a much easier project to fix than the... So what happened to the water heater? Actually, it wasn't easier because we had to do the water hose on ourselves. The water heater literally exploded in our garage. I woke up um, for work and there's our our bathroom has the wall that is... It um, shares a wall with the garage and I could hear this like rushing sound and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Like the toilet wasn't running, the shower wasn't running, like there was nothing... And so I walked out to leave from the garage and there it was literally, I mean, it had exploded. There was water gushing everywhere <laughs> at 530 in the morning. It's great fun. I'm curious about shrapnel. When well, it, did it explode? I mean. It, like, it exploded from the bottom, like the bottom busted. So I don't know if there were pieces out. places. Okay. They're probably, I mean, well, there probably no, were. There's no drain below? I guess you're in the garage. It wouldn't have been. Mm-mm. No, thankfully it was in the garage because a lot of water heaters are in the yes. attic. Yeah, they're in the attic. They put a yeah. drain below them that's supposed to go outside, but I'm always concerned. Well, it wouldn't have. That. I don't think that yeah. would have worked anyways because it exploded. Like yeah. it went everywhere. It wasn't just like coming out. So thankfully it was in the garage. Nothing really was damaged. We had to like dry stuff up and pick things up. But um, And our garage is cement and it has cement like on the side. So nothing was like terribly damaged. But, mm. but that no was $2,000. No shower that day. No, and that was $2,000 right there. Yeah. Because you have to get it fixed. It's not like you can just leave it exploded in your garage. So We, we put a uh, tankless in our house when we built. And it's... You sound so bougie right now. So bougie. I know. <laughs> That's the kind of thing. It's, there's, a, there's a little bit... It's a little bit more expensive, but not that much more when you actually install it. And then you... It sits outside, like on the side of the house. And I so... it was tankless. Well, so it, what it is sits outside? The little the little machine that Warmer. heats up the water, so the water just flows through and it heats it up like on demand. Immediately, yeah, that would be nice. Running out of hot water is the worst. Yeah, so you never run out. Which it's supposed to be more economic, I think, because you're not sitting there with a big tank of hot water that you're heating all the time. But then you probably take longer showers, I would guess. <laughs> uh, not me, perhaps. But Jeff, do you have a good home maintenance story yet? Um. It maybe wasn't unexpected, but our backyard was a little bit of a jungle when we mm. moved in. And um, did we did he mention this in a prior episode? Yeah, we've talked about the goats. Yeah, yeah, the goats. But th- I think the scale of the backyard cleanup has been more extensive than expected. Yeah, and um, I think like a, a lot of projects around the house, like 
scope creep comes in and it starts off as a little project. And then, it, I mean, this literally started me and my dad one afternoon clearing some kudzu out of the backyard. And to this point now, I now own a chainsaw and have cut down like 40 foot <laughs> trees in the backyard and uh, rented goats. So it's, it's definitely uh <laughs> scope creep. <laughs> it's crap dad into a goat. But um, I mean, it's been it's been an enjoyable thing to gather people together and work in the yard, and uh, minus the poison ivy. So, <laughs> do you know that you can be allergic to uh, Virginia creeper? Like the same, it has the exact same uh, reaction as a um, poison ivy or poison oak. I've, I don't know what a Virginia creeper is. It's the like I've heard of the ivy. Trail. It's, it's like the ivy looking down. stuff that like is everywhere in North leaf. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not poisonous. But some like Alex is allergic to it, and apparently that's like fairly common. And so it it comes across as poison ivy or poison oak. So he thought we had poison oak in our yard for the longest time. It's just Virginia creeper. Leaves yeah. a, leaves a five. Yeah, we have poison ivy that's grown up into the really big trees in our backyard, and some of the poison ivy vines are as large around as a tree. Jeez. And yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. I hate yard work. Do you do do you do you have a good maintenance story? Yeah. Drew Harris. So the current house that we're in that we bought new, um, the shower pan uh, for the main uh, shower uh, would separate from the tile. Um, is that a problem or is that fine? It's a problem because mm-hmm. water, water would seep in in between the two. And so we eventually we became aware of it because our um, garage is below that main floor. And so then water bulging kind of with the ceiling and then finally opening it up and then seeing up above, mm-hmm. um, seeing that the wood had mold, had mold uh, black mold and um, um, wood rot. Um, so had to rip up the shower. So first thing I tried to do was have multiple people come out and re-grout it or... Um, you know, caulk it. But, you know, because the wood had been weakened, every time you step on it, push mm. down. And so kept on happening. <laughs> so tried to, you know, kind of let's do a simple fix. Um, tried that a couple times, didn't work, and just perpetuate it. So eventually you had to rip out the whole shower, like put in a new pan, um, new tile and such. So, yes. Did you do that or did you no. pay for it? No, I did pay for that. I, I No, I tried to do the caulking at first. Um, so just try to fix it myself. Yeah. And then, nope, that didn't work. So going to get an expert. Water's the best. Yeah, we need to redo our shower for similar reasons in our in our bedroom, and I'm like, it's going to be so expensive. I had a buddy say that like a house would live forever if there wasn't no water. water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> this reminded me actually. I didn't really have a story until you said, yeah, not forever, perhaps, but but living, it's not really living. It's not a living it, thing it, either. It, yeah. yeah. So your buddy's kind of not that smart. I think it was my your quote. interpretation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> my son, who was eight now, he's probably five at the time. And my wife and I remember the story differently, so I'm going to go with my version because I remember that better. But I went in uh, to wake him up in the morning, and it was like, oh, hey, Theo, how's everything? And he said, oh, I had a dream that I, it was raining. And I was like, really? Why? And uh, I look, I feel his pillow, his pillow's wet, and I look up at the ceiling, and there's water dripping out of the ceiling right, right onto his head. And This is the house you currently live in? Yeah. This is our house. And it was dripping on his head, and he was like, he, he really thought he, he was having a dream that it was raining on his head. And it turned out that, like, the air conditioner, the condenser, had everything had backed up, and somehow it was overflowing, and then it was dripping down, like, through the crown molding and, like, through the ceiling and onto him. So 
Luckily, it was one of these like really hot Charlotte times. It was 100 degrees, you know, outside. So it was 150 in the attic. So it was going to dry out up there fine. But there was insulation and everything that all dried out. But we had to get paint and replace crown molding and everything else. And not to mention his, like his mattress is still kind of stained. This was water that had... You didn't get him a new mattress? Well, no, it was fine. Everything's fine. It dried out. It just, it just you had just a said that there's like something messed up with it. Oh no, I'm sure it's fine. It just was. It was just water that had come through the fiberglass. So I'm sure there's nothing wrong with that. The fiberglass <laughs> insulation, right? He's still alive. <clears throat> so anyway, all to say, that was so one of those mornings Google, where like you how look, long mold takes to have effect on people. Oh uh, no, he's fine. <laughs> it was this is one of these this is one of these mornings where you wake up and this is not what you had planned to do this sort of repair and you look up at the ceiling and you're like it is raining on my son and and uh, so anyway. That's is there the, a morning that you plan for that? Though? The joy, yeah, the joy of homeownership. Like I had other things in mind for today. Um, those are things I don't. We had moved from an apartment into the house, and at the apartment, if you had a light bulb go out, you would send an email to the front desk, and they would come up and fix it. Like whatever the thing was, they would just go fix. And that was that's a great time saver. And so the idea is that I think in a lot of ways renting is underrated. Like people look at it and they compare and they say, well, what's my mortgage versus my rent? And that's all they think about without thinking about all the other stuff that comes on. And so walking into home ownership with your eyes wide open to say, yeah, it's great that our, my house has appreciated an average of 4.75% a year over the past five years or whatever, which is a little bit more, like it's a little higher than typical. But residential real estate over long term basically appreciates with inflation. Uh, so your real return on it is zero when you factor in your costs, like your taxes and your maintenance and everything else that goes into owning it. The idea being a house is not a great investment. It's a great place to, to have a foundation for your family and to invest in a neighborhood and all that other stuff. And so when people talk about, well, we should buy because of the just the expense thing, I don't necessarily think they're always taking those things into account. Agree? Disagree? Agree. Yeah, I agree. I um, agree. You add in the fact that when people think about like the house appreciation is that if they're going to get that appreciation, they have to sell it and then they're going to have to move into somewhere else. I know what, our house has gone up, but it's, and so it's like, oh, great, we can afford a more expensive house, but all the other houses have also gone up so we can yeah. actually afford the exact same house. Just, yeah, just a more expensive. And, and I think the tendency mm -hmm. is that we end up just uh, wanting to do a more expensive house that has more square footage that's going to have more, you know, maintenance expenses or more space to fill. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kind of you perpetuate it, um, yeah. the cost. Yeah. I think, of, oh, go ahead, Jeff, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think if you... Like when we talked about the markets that are growing the most and growing the least, the markets that seem to grow the least are the ones that have grown the most in the past. Right. So mm -hmm. it tends, I would imagine. Yeah, San Francisco, New York, and Chicago. Yeah. yeah, I would imagine it's pretty cyclical where at some point the house values in Charlotte will reach a point where it's kind of the peak of the market and then it will creep along slowly. So it's dangerous to base your decisions off of the best years um, or years where you're in the top where you shouldn't expect to be there every year. Yeah, right. I think there's a familiarity bias that comes along too where people say, oh, I need to buy a house because this is a great neighborhood and it's going to yeah. appreciate and whatever else. And maybe it will. Um, maybe you're right. But ultimately, approaching a house in that in that manner, like approach, approaching a house purchase, thinking that it's a great investment, I think is a, um, is a really a short-sighted way to do it because we don't really factor in. The other thing that happens is even with like really minimal price appreciation 
over the long term, that adds up to big numbers. And so when you think about like my parents moved into California, like the house I grew up in, they bought in 1980, maybe 1979 for $250,000. I don't know what the number was. And by the time they moved out of there, when I went to college, it was worth a lot more than that. It was worth, I don't know what they sold it for, $900,000 maybe. And so, but that's a really long time to go from 250, and they put a lot of money into it and they renovated the kitchen and everything else. And so that was from 1979 to year 2000. Um, and if you looked at it on a percentage basis, it wasn't necessarily that much, even though they became really big numbers. And so people that have lived in a place for a long time have seen that appreciation and not really thought about what the actual price appreciation on a percentage basis was. Or they look generations back like, oh, grandpa's house yeah. was worth this when he you know, yeah, he and spent a worth... nickel to go to the movie theater, and an ice cream was a penny, and his house was forty thousand dollars, and he had a new Buick for two thousand dollars. Is that about right? That's about right. Thank you for that, Jeff. <laughs> we talked about that ahead of time. I was supposed to set nickel. <laughs> well, it was also nostalgic for me because that sounded a lot like my grandfather right then. Did it? Yeah, that same accent. Yeah. Did he smoke? <laughs> <laughs> a little more raspy. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, when we compare, we think, okay, real, real estate, the 10-year return for residential real estate based on this index, 4.08% for the US, which is, which is good. That's higher than average. But it's really easy to go buy a commercial REIT uh, uh, index fund. Um, so this is an index fund that buys commercial real estate all over the world. And I can just own it, and there's no maintenance on it except for whatever the expense ratio is that the fund company charges me. But I don't even have to worry about paying that. So the 10-year return as of 1231 for this REIT index, for, for the, the global commercial REIT index, was 9.31%. So more than double with a lot less maintenance. Uh, and it's other people that are leasing out whatever the spaces are. And they're intended to be investment properties. Um, so when we think about our house as an investment, I really like to think of it as a use asset. that says this is the place that we're going to invest our lives in. We're going to lay our foundation. We're going to have our family. We're going to have, make great memories in whatever this space is. We're going to do all the work that Allie likes doing to make it exactly what we want it to be. Um, and then we're going to go about our lives. And if it appreciates, that's great. And by the time it appreciates, we can move out of there and do something else if we decide to. Yeah, I think looking at it as, as where you want to spend a good chunk of time is that's when it makes sense to buy a house. Um, if you're not sure where you're going to land, um, then it doesn't make sense to, to invest in that. Yeah. Or if you don't have the money to buy where you want to buy. Yeah. Save until you do. What's That's the last point I want to – down payment. What do you guys say? We did 20%. I mean, as much as you can. Drew, down payment thoughts? What are your options? Uh, you could put zero down. You get a ninja loan. Remember those? They still do it? They have, they've started going back in that direction. Well, military families get 0%. I think it's still do 0%. Mm -hmm. Do you know what a ninja loan is, Allie? Nope. They used to give these out in like 2005 to kind of whoever had a heartbeat. Oh, that's why the um, the market crashed, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a big part of it, yeah. yeah. What does it stand for? No income, no job. Or assets. Or assets. Which is a great, <laughs> come buy a house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Down payment thoughts? Um, so, I mean, we uh, made use of was it one of the Fannie Mae kind of 3%, 3.5%? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think, you know, definitely more is better. However, 
what's going to really matter is kind of what your, you know, monthly payment is. That's how we decided how much house we could afford. We worked backwards. We said we can afford X number monthly. How much house can we get? Yeah. But I think, you know, remembering that the mortgage broker as a general rule, I think is going to want to push you to the higher end of your number on that monthly payment. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't, I don't recall our mortgage broker reminding us about this maintenance cost. And so, you know, if you can have those things in mind, you know, then that'd be great to do, you know, three and a half percent. I think it would definitely be better to be more of kind of 20% and you have more equity in the house, you know, if there's a downturn. But I, I think it's your monthly payment and your overall cost that you need to be weighing. Yeah, I think you hit on a couple of good points there. First, figuring out what a true monthly cost looks like instead of what just the mortgage payment is because those numbers are vastly different. Yep. And then mortgage companies will approve you for what seems like a ridiculous number because it is. And, um, you know, instead of basing it off that, basing it off of, um, you know, what you can truly afford and and also not basing it off of, um, you know, like your best year ever of earnings, yeah. something like that. Um, so you have like a realistic house that you're not going to be house poor and can't afford to do anything else. So And taking into the cost of how much um, you're going to have to spend when you move in, like, what projects do you want to complete? How much furniture do you need to buy? What landscaping needs to be done? How much moving costs actually costs? Moving costs. Yeah. Uh, last question for real. How many years should you want to be in an area before you should consider purchasing versus renting? I'd say at least five years, probably more like eight, um, ten. Yeah, I would say minimum five. Yeah. I kind of think, yeah, I'm kind of in the seven to ten ballpark where you you think, uh, yeah, this this house uh, will probably make sense for us for the next seven to ten years, and if we stay longer, that's great. Yeah. But realistically, if it's less than that, there's so much friction associated with real estate transactions. Uh, the realtors don't like to tell you about that part, but it's three percent on each side, so you got six percent, you know, and you're uh, and you got to do whatever upkeep they tell you to do in order to make it. Uh, property that's marketable yeah closing costs all the other things and of course unforeseen events happen and jobs change or you know kind of circumstances have to move but making the best decision with the information you have you know looking ahead do that um but you know don't kick yourself if um something changes yeah when we made the decision to buy we we never considered it our kind of forever home but we've considered it our like get our kids through high school home and um, we bought before my, my son turned one, so our plan was at least 18 years. Um, so that's still our plan, and ho- hopefully that works Better out. Better than yeah. us. I don't <laughs> think we'll fit in our home for that long. <laughs> Not with all, everything you're talking about doing. Not with all the babies out Adding want. future humans to your household. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Where to come on that in a later episode. Yeah, we'll talk about that more. <laughs> I'm not Actually, pregnant. Actually, we are. We're going to talk about Cost of kids. She might change her mind after that. Thanks for listening to episode nine of the Making Margin podcast. Join us next time. Next episode, like I said, we're going to talk about how much it costs to have a kid. You'll be shocked. See you.